You are listening to the official podcast of Refuge, where we believe all people matter to God. Good morning, church. It's such an honor to stand before you once again, and I'm really excited about this series, and I want you to really engage this morning in what the Spirit of God is going to bring forth. Wow. Did you hear that? (laughs) I just want to welcome Jay Sandifer with us, visiting all the way from Orlando area, Maitland, actually. So he came at a good time. I mean, there's not a lot of snow on the ground and ice. Too bad. Next time, maybe, but uh, that'll probably be in the summer. So, but great to have you. Uh, And hopefully we don't have snow in the summer, right? Uh, Just a a couple of things I wanted to share with you before we really get into this morning. Next week, we'll have information out for a fresh start 2016 uh, prayer and fast, which is a Daniel fast, which we've done, oh, for over a decade as a church family as we begin our new year. And I'm really excited just about engaging in, in the effort of seeking God and seeking his heart, seeking his directives for this upcoming year. And so we're going to start the year off with that, so we'll have more information for that next Sunday. Now, my father is here this morning. He actually moved to another section uh, behind us, but he celebrated his 90th birthday this past Friday. Yeah. And, and you know, uh, somebody blessed him with 90 candy bars. You know, if you don't know, Stevens Point Christian Academy is having a candy sale, and it's good candy from Vandalay's, is it? Vanderwalls. In, in Appleton, great chocolate. I mean, it's, we need to repent. That's, and what we're starting the new year with a Daniel fast, so that's good. But, uh, so somebody blessed him with 90 candy bars, one for each of his years. And he had this, he just was overwhelmed by that, and he loves chocolate. But he had an idea, and he asked if we could do this. He's gonna be at the door after service with me, so you can have opportunity to greet him. And if you come by, he'll give you one of his candy bars. Yeah, he'll bless you with one of those. So that was, is his gift to you for turning 90 years old. And, and what's exciting about my dad is uh, you get in his presence, even for a minute, and you'll be inspired for the rest of the day, if not for a lifetime. And, and so his, the joy that he has, the love that he has for Jesus is reflecting in his life and his actions. And, and Dad, I love you, and I'm glad you're still here at 90. And Mom's a, a few years behind. We won't give her age away, but five years younger, but, you know. <laughs> but uh, they're doing good, and we love them a lot. Okay, so happy birthday, Dad. Now, as, as part of Refuge, and you might have got the little slip as you were coming in through the double doors here of uh, the year-end gift, and, and we want you to earnestly see God in prayer concerning what you might do in participating in the year-end gift. Realize that the greatest joy in life is not produced from what you hold on to, but what you let go of. And so that's all about giving. And as part of Refuge, we're inviting you to really pray and see God about what you may do in a special year-end gift uh, that we'll receive next Sunday which will actually go towards reaching our 2015 budget. And we've already, as of the end of last month, reached 72% of that, but we have a ways to go. And, and we know we serve a big God and we're trusting him to meet and supply every need. And, and when we give, we don't uh, give into need necessarily, although there are needs, but we give into vision. Vision-based giving is, I believe, essential when we really connect with the heart of God. Uh, we give... Not because there's a need, but because there's a cause. We give because we're inspired. We're, we're motivated by love. We're motivated by the Holy Spirit for each of us to do our part. And you've heard me say it time and time again. When everyone does their part, every need is met. And so I, and I believe that one of the aspects of refuge is we need to be a resource to this community, a resource church so that we can be meeting needs of those who have them and planning for future furniture giveaways and, and such of those type of things are part of what we want to do to be a blessing to 
people's lives and all in the name of Jesus, sharing his love and sharing the gospel. Amen. So uh, we'll have more information next week about that. But so I have some humor this morning. Okay, and this actually is compliments of Tracy. She texted me yesterday with this and wanted you know, to know what I thought of it. And she didn't get my response, apparently, till later. But um, what is the name of the horse from the song Jingle Bells? Does anybody know? Well, it's Bob. <laughs> you know, this guy figures it out. He thinks, <laughs> oh, <laughs> you always got one up on me there. Uh, but, yeah, it's Bob because the lyric of the song goes, bells on bobtail ring, okay? Maybe on the drive home you'll get that. But <laughs> anyway, there was a, a new hair salon that opened up for business right across the street from an old established salon, and they put up this huge sign which read, $7 haircuts, and now the seasoned uh, hairstylist across the street wasn't too upset about that because, you know, she had an established business, but she decided to put out this sign that read, we fix $7 haircuts. <laughs> now, now, that's good marketing, right? I, I think it's just good marketing. And, and then I came across something that this is kind of dangerous, and I know my... Honey, I know you don't like these puns, um, but these are some, uh, some Christmas puns, okay? What did the gingerbread man put on his bed? Now, he's going to figure it out. He always figures these out. A cookie sheet, okay? <laughs> uh, uh, some of these I'm going to save for next week. I won't give them all today, but what did Scrooge... Or how did Scrooge win the football game? Well, the ghost of Christmas past. <laughs> Actually, it was Aaron Rodgers. Uh, yeah, right, okay. Okay, uh, a couple more here. You want a couple more? Can you bear up, bear, bear with us again? What did Adam say the day before Christmas? It's Christmas, Eve. Yeah. Oh, I know that's, that's bad. Okay. One more. What do Christmas trees and bad knitters have in common? They both drop their needles. Yeah. We'll, we'll end with that one, okay. Uh, this actually is also the, the final day of the celebration of Hanukkah, which is a Jewish holiday celebrating the rededication of the Jewish temple uh, 21 centuries ago. In fact, it's called the Feast of Lights, and really the word Hanukkah means rededication and commemorates the Jews' struggles uh, for freedom when they were in the bondage of Babylon. Uh, so that also, I believe, has implications for us as Christians as we celebrate the freedom that Jesus Christ brought to the world, being the light of the world. Our message today is our king has come to bring peace. And so I want you to hold your peace. We realize that that's a common expression that we often say, hold your peace. And that has implications because when you hold your peace, it's usually before you are about to say something you shouldn't say or you will regret having said, right? And so, but we want to look at peace maybe in a different light this morning. When it comes to holding peace, we need to understand and recognize that there's a strength in peace. There's a strength that comes with this thing called peace. So we want to identify the source of peace and how you can experience the peace that Jesus came to bring to this world. Amen? So we want to start with a word of prayer and again, we trust the Spirit of God uh, this morning to help me to communicate his heart to you. Let's pray. Father, we honor you in this place, and we thank you for your word, which is truth. We thank you, Father, for revelation, insight, and understanding. We thank you for the life that Jesus brought to this earth through 
forgiveness of sins, salvation, healing, and deliverance. We thank you, Father, for what you want to do in our lives today. We thank you for attentiveness. We thank you for the Spirit of God who gives us insight and understanding. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. Amen. The sound of rain, do you hear that? It could be the sound of snow. Well, you don't really hear snow, do you? All right? Interesting thought. But uh, unless it's blowing, and I've been in some blizzards where the snow was being driven sideways, literally sideways, and then it makes a sound when it hits uh, the windows of your house and all that. But uh, um, I don't know where I'm going with this. Anyway, uh, we are identifying who is the king and who is our king and exploring what he came to bring to mankind. He came to bring joy, peace, hope, and salvation, which encompasses a whole lot of, of his mission and purpose. And there's more that we could, uh, could identify in what he came to bring, but these are the four focuses for this month. Now, in Christianity, Jesus Christ was born king, which is unlike other people that become kings because they're not generally king at their birth. See, he will be your king if you receive him. This is not exclusive, but it must become personal. In Matthew 2, 2, I don't have a slide for this, but we see where wise men sought him. In fact, they inquired of King Herod, where is he that is born king of the Jews? And so this upset Herod because he was maybe an appointed or elected king, but he was not necessarily king by birth. And so this king by birth became a threat to the king who was presently reigning at that time. And you know the story because he sought out to try to destroy the king, the one who was born king. And now the question I want to ask you, and I'll do it right from the beginning here, is he your king? Can you truly claim him to be your king? And, and we, we're going to maybe find out some more about that and what that implies and what that means concerning your life. Now he came to bring joy, peace, hope, and salvation to you so that you can experience all of these things. Now, today, as we explore peace, we can realize that we can discover God's peace in a troubled world. All you have to do is turn on the news, open up the headlines, of the, or look at the headlines of the paper. We're living in a troubled world, and we can discover God's peace in this troubled world. Now, the, the world may offer a counterfeit or a deceptive peace or a short-term kind of peace. It's not long-term. But true peace is found only in Jesus Christ. It's not found in the world system. It's not found in, in whoever gets elected to office. It's, it's not found in whatever party is ruling. But it's found when the king of the universe is ruling. Okay, And that rule be, begins right here at home, in, your, in our hearts. Okay, And so... Uh, Isaiah 9, 6, here we see the Old Testament prophetic declaration by Isaiah the prophet. In Isaiah 9, 6, it reads, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Now we can identify who this person is when we look in the Gospel of Luke starting in chapter 2 because the Prince of Peace arrived. God in the flesh, not like what the Unitarians believe. They believe in universal, universalism, if I got that right. But they, they deny, and among other cults out there, they deny that Jesus Christ is God. And that is a foundational truth of Christianity, and we can never stray from that or deviate from that truth and that revelation because Jesus Christ is God in the flesh taking on human form. God showed up 
in Bethlehem. And let's look at that story starting in Luke chapter 2, starting at verse 1. In those days a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. Part of that registration was taxation, fun. Verse 2, this was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria. And all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth, to, to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, <clears throat> excuse me, who was with child. Verse 6, and while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And when she gave birth to her firstborn son, and she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were filled with great fear. Verse 10. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy. That's what we talked about last week. That will be for all the people. Verse 11. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in the manger. Verse 13. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. Peace among those with whom he is pleased. Now let me say this because I think there's some confusion about this because some people think, okay, if God's not pleased with you, that means no peace for that person. No, you need to understand the heart of God in sending his son. He is pleased to show his favor and goodwill even to those who don't deserve it. Okay? And so when we look at the context of this, and I studied some of the commentaries to see, and there was some mixed opinion. Some said, oh, he just came for those who were living right. Well, that can't be so. He came for those that were not living right as well. Those who needed a physician, he came for those as well. Now, God's word translation states this verse 14 this way. Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace to those who have his goodwill. And let me just say this to everyone. You have his goodwill. Even though you don't deserve it, even if you are not living for God right now, you still have his goodwill. And he wants you to experience his lordship so that you don't ultimately face his judgment. But right now, his goodwill is extended to all of humanity. And so we must share that message of God's favor to this world so they can receive that goodwill and make him their king. All right? According to Matthew Henry's commentary, he states this piece is speaking of the goodwill of God towards men. It refers to good that comes to us when he takes on our nature and becomes one of us so that he could be tempted in all points as we, yet without sin, so that he could bear everything and deal with everything that we've gone through or will go through, but yet be victorious and triumphant over it. And to take on our sins because he was sinless, because he qualified to be the perfect sacrifice to redeem humanity. Now, you will be able to enjoy the peace he brings when you receive him as your king, okay? The promise of peace was for those who would welcome him 
and receive him as their king. John 1.12 says, to as many as receive him, to them he gave the power or the right to become sons of God. So uh, let's take a moment and define peace. How can we define it? I, I love Webster's, Merriam-Webster's 1828 dictionary. Well, actually, it's not Merriam at that point. It was just Webster's dictionary. Noah Webster was the guy that wrote it. It's the original uh, copy. Well, it's a copy of the original, I should say. I don't have the original copy. I would uh, be very excited if I did. But I do have that, you know, actually, anyway, let's go on. Let's read this. Okay. <laughs> it defines peace as a state of quiet or tranquility, freedom from disturbance or agitation, harmony, concord, a state of reconciliation between parties at variance. Also defined as peaceful. And, and quiet, undisturbed, not in a state of war or commotion. You know, have you ever you know, been in your house and all of a sudden a commotion breaks out? What's that commotion? What's that commotion? You know, let's deal with the commotion. You know, we need peace in those kind of situations. Now, my definition of peace, and, and I, I really thought this through, and I've, you know, years ago I kind of came up with this because I thought this really makes sense, at least to me. Uh, hopefully it makes sense to you. But my definition of peace is undisturbed composure. That you can have a composure that is undisturbed even in the midst of a crisis, even in the midst when things are going amok, things are going wrong, that you can still have undisturbed composure knowing that things are going to work out, knowing that God's word is going to work on your behalf and you're going to come through that situation. So having that undisturbed composure is essential to, uh, for sanity, okay? Um, peace is a result, and, and, and I want to say this because I believe this is also true. Peace is a result of a genuine encounter with God. Peace is not natural. Peace is supernatural. Peace, just as joy, is an inward condition of the heart. And so uh, we understand this. Uh, the biblical concept of peace comes from the root of shalom. Shalom is the Old Testament word, uh, Hebrew word that we have for peace. And it was actually the standard greeting, and still in many cultures today, uh, people say shalom or peace, peace be with you. It's, it's a way to greet people. Uh, a way to depart from people uh, with those type of words, okay? Um, the biblical concept means to be complete or to be sound, like sound mind, sound heart. The verb also conveys both a dynamic and a static meaning to be complete or whole or to live well. So it speaks of prosperity. It speaks of well-being, in the New Testament, the primary Greek word for peace is irene, which means to rest, and uh, it also means tranquility. A key focus of peace in the New Testament is what we see in, in the advent of Jesus or the coming of Jesus as announced by the angels and what we read in Luke 2:14. So, our king has come to bring peace. He came to provide everything that is lacking in our life. See, we all are in need of peace. You know, you can't kid yourself. Lack of peace robs us of living life the way God wants us to live it. Lack of peace robs you of life. It's a thief. 1 Thessalonians 5.23, and here we see a passage I believe that's so powerful. 1 Thessalonians 5.23 says, Now may the God of peace, and we'll pause there for just a moment. You'll see this phrase repeated throughout the New Testament and other scriptures. God is identified as the God of peace. So he's associated with this thing called peace. Okay? So we see the, may the God of peace himself, so that means he's getting involved personally, with our lives. Sanctify you completely. 
And may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. So here we see the God of peace taking a personal interest in our life to want to do something so amazing in our life, not just to bless you a little bit, but to do something that will completely change your life. Because it says complete. Sanctify you completely. That word sanctify means to set you apart and to do a complete work on you. To not just, oh, he needs a little touch up here. No, but to do a complete work on us because we're all messed up without him. Can you say amen? If you can, just say, oh, me. Because we are. I'm messed up without Jesus. Now, the Bible also speaks of great peace in Psalms 119, verse 165. It is not the shortest chapter in the Bible, okay, when you have 165 verses there, and there's more besides this verse. It says, great peace have those who love your law. Nothing can make them stumble. Now, the law here is in reference to the word of God. So uh, one day I was looking at this, and I, I realized a truth that, that my offense level, because, you know, I, I don't know about you, sometimes people can be very easily offended. You just look at them wrong, they get offended. You just do something, maybe it's not a direct attack on their life, but they're offended with you. People were offended with Jesus. But to the, to the degree that you love the word of God is the, the degree that you are not offended. And so I, I've, I've learned to realize, okay, I, my love for God's word needs to increase because that will diminish my offense level. I won't be offended as easily if I love the word, right? But now we also see here uh, this in the easy to read version. It reads this way, those who love your teachings will find true peace. See, it's identified as great peace in the uh, English Standard Version, but it's identified as true peace in the ERV. And it says nothing can make them fall. See, offense is usually, or stumbling, relates to offense. You, and, and people are falling in life. They're stumbling in life. But God has great peace. And when that great peace is working in our lives, uh, we won't be given over to offense. We won't stumble and fall like so many people are. And then we see, and I, I came across this verse a number of weeks ago, and I I've been reading it every day, every day, because I, I've discovered that every day I need God's peace in my life. I cannot go a day without his peace. And so this is, and you might want to put this on your refrigerator. You might want to put it where you can see it and read it, where it ministers to you. But this is 2 Thessalonians 3.16. And I put a caption above this, Peace at all times and in every way. And that's what it says here. Now may the Lord of peace himself give you peace at all times in every way. The Lord be with you all. Yeah. All times. All times in every way. So you're going to need some peace today, especially if the Packers don't win. But we won't even think about that, right? You're going to need some peace today if, if you don't maybe get your way. You're going to need some peace today if, if something upsets you, if something troubles you, or maybe you make a mistake. Maybe you were working on your checkbook, and uh, well, like I did one time, instead of subtracting something that was a, supposed to be subtracted, I added it and made a deposit and thought I had $300 more in my checking account. Until I started getting, in that, that time, that was when they'd send out letters, you overdrawn, and, and I'm, oh no, what happened? And said, so, certainly, this is not my fault, this is the bank's fault. And, you know, and Chase Bank, they're real nice. They actually went there, and the bank who sat down with me took my checkbook, and looking through the, the memo there where you record, write your checks down, she found the error in probably about five minutes. This, this is where you went wrong, Pastor. And, and so, well, they reversed all the fees and charges, but, you know, in that moment, I just, I, I lost my peace. 
and, and Deb will tell you, Pastor Deb will tell you that uh, there's times I lose my peace, and, and, but she's a great comfort to me when I do. She really is, right? She'll say something like this. Now, where is the peace of God? <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm, okay. I repent, okay, forgive me, Lord. I, I, I need to be operating with that undisturbed composure at this very moment. Um, now, so take, take that, claim that verse, if you would. I, I believe that's a, a great passage for you. 2 Thessalonians 3.16. Now, Jesus was even able to bring peace in the midst of a storm. He commanded peace in every situation. Even when the storm was going on and he was taking a nap in the boat and the disciples were trying to keep the boat afloat and finally they woke him up and said, don't you care that we perish? He's a little bit irritated. He said, I was sleeping. He said, you have little faith. And he looked at the storm. He just spoke the word. Be peace. Uh, what did he say? Peace be still. Yeah, see, some of you need to learn how to do that. You're dealing with a circumstance. You're dealing with a situation. Because Jesus said the things I've, I've done shall you do also. Jesus was teaching the disciples a lesson of how to deal with a storm. And he said, peace be still. Some of you need to speak to your storm. You're not speaking to that storm, and so you're being overcome, you're being overwhelmed. Rise up in the name of Jesus and speak to that storm. Say, peace be still. If there's turmoil in a relationship, you may need to stand up in your place and say, peace be still. This turmoil needs to end. This storm needs to stop. And when Jesus made that statement, there was a great calm that resulted. Now, in John 16, 33, Jesus makes a statement to his disciples. He said, I've, I've said these things to you that in me you may have peace. Where is peace found? It's found in Jesus. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart, I've overcome the world. There's going to be tribulation. There's going to be testing in this world. But in Jesus, you can find peace. There's peace that he has to offer you, to give you. We understand that peace, like joy, is a fruit of the Spirit. It's a fruit of the recreated Spirit. In fact, Galatians 5.22 says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness. We see peace listed there as one of the fruits and, and that, again, is a fruit of your recreated human spirit. When Jesus came to live inside of you, you now have the capacity for the peace, that fruit of peace in your life, just as you do for all these other fruits, okay? And um, now realize you, you're supposed to bear fruit, not be one. Okay, not, so what are four things we can say about peace? If you're taking notes, you can write these down. Uh, the first thing we can say about peace is God is the source of peace. Mark it down. God is the source of peace. See, peace is the need that we all have in common. Everyone's trying to find it. And you've probably seen the saying or the, you know, I think we had it on the sign a couple years back. It says, no peace, or no God, no peace, no God, no peace. See, the N-O God, N-O, peace. But the K-N-O-W, God, then you have the K-N-O-W, peace. Am I spelling that right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm not good at spelling, folks. That's, um, yeah, that's why I love spell check, but sometimes it ir irritates me because I think it's trying to mislead me and misguide me too. But... <laughs> Romans 15.33 says, Now, or may the God of peace be with you all. See, he is a God of peace, so he's the source of peace. And I want you to look at and turn with me to Ephesians chapter 2, verses 14 through 17, because here we see why Jesus came to bring us peace and what that accomplished in the earth, because we understand that the Old Testament, in the Old Testament there was an anticipation of the Prince of Peace to come. And the New Testament confirmed that God's peace would be mediated through a Messiah, Jesus Christ. 
peace with God came through the death and the resurrection of Jesus. And let's look at this in this passage, starting at verse 14 in Ephesians 2 says, for he himself is our peace. Wow. So this is a very personal thing. It's not innate or abstract. It's very personal. He is our peace who has made us both one and broken down in the flesh the dividing wall of hostility. In other words, whatever separated you from God, whatever annihilated or alienated you from God is now removed so you can come to him and experience who he is and have an encounter with him. Verse 15 says, by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances that he might create in himself one new man in place of the two, so making peace. See, the conflict, the turmoil that existed between God and man is now settled because Jesus came to mediate and take away what separated us and, and get it out of the way. And it goes on to say, verse 16, and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. And he came and preached peace to you who will far off and peace to those who are near. For through him we both have one access or have access in one spirit to the Father. In other words, we now have access directly to God through Jesus Christ. This is so awesome when we think about it. And it talks about for those who are far off, the, the farthest person away from God can now come to him because that message of peace is proclaimed. You might be a person that you think that God would not want anything to do with me. I am a mess, but yet he does. Doesn't matter how far off you are, he longs to be in relationship with you. He longs to reveal himself to you. Number two, there are two aspects or dimensions to peace that we must understand. The first is peace with God. Peace with God. Romans 5.1 says, Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. So there's peace with God. You know, when, when I minister to somebody who's dying on the deathbed, I always ask them the same question. I ask them the question, have you made your peace with God? You know, if, I'm, if I don't know where the relationship is at with Jesus, I ask them that question. And I can remember one time, this was a few years ago, this person said, no, I haven't. And I said, well, would you like to? And, and I mean, the doctors basically said they're gonna die just a matter of a couple of days. And this person said, I haven't, but I'd like to. And so I had an opportunity to pray with this gentleman uh, that he would uh, be able to receive Jesus and he accepted the Lord and he was saved. And I can remember praying that prayer and the peace of God literally came over him. And joy, the, the turmoil in his face, the distress in his face changed before my eyes and I saw peace come over this man. And, and then, you know, I also prayed, Lord, if your purpose has not, if he has not lived out the purpose that you have for his life, heal him and raise him up from this deathbed. And guess what? About a week later, he was released from the hospital. Yeah. And so, and he lived about two or three years longer, you know, baffling medical science. I, I love that, you know. And this time when I went to see him, he had made his peace with God and he was ready to go. And so, you know, we just prayed, Lord, let, if he's ready, he's, and he, I'm, I'm ready to go. And so he checked out, amen. Apostle Paul said to, to be apart from the body and be with Christ is, is better, you know, so. But yet, uh, we need to stay here because this is where we can make a difference in other people's lives and share his love, amen. And so, ah, the other aspect of God's peace, we talked about peace with God, is the peace of God. So we have peace with God, that's relationship, getting that sorted out. Then the peace of God. The peace of God is something you need in your life that will set you apart and it will distinguish you as, as, a, as, a, 
son or daughter of God. Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7 says, Do not be anxious about anything. Do not be anxious about anything. Do not be anxious about anything. You, I, I sound like a stuck record. But do not be anxious about anything. This area trips us, trips us up all the time. We become anxious about so many things. But the word says, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. Instead of being anxious about it, worrying about it, pray about it. And then, look at verse 7. If you can not be anxious and pray about that situation, verse 7 says, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding. You know, it doesn't make sense to the mind. It passes, it, it does a bypass, okay? Bypass of the mind. Going directly to experience God's peace. The peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. In other words, you set up a guard around your heart which protects you from the junk in, that world, uh, in the world. And no matter what's going wrong, what's going on around you, the peace of God will guard you. It'll guard your heart and mind in Christ Jesus Colossians 3.15 says, and let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts to which you will call the one body and be thankful. I have to tell you a little story. I can uh, remember a time that I was in anguish and turmoil at making a decision and I didn't know what to do. And so I, I was just frustrated. I wasn't, you know, and sometimes it affects your physical body when you start getting real anxious and worried about something. And I'm in this situation and I realized, and, and that's when this scripture came alive to me. I felt like the Spirit of God said, you're not letting my peace rule over the situation to help you make this decision. And so I, I did just kind of like this exercise. I lifted my hands. I said, okay, Lord, I'm going to let your peace rule right now. Peace, come. And I just invited God's peace to come and rule over my heart, rule over my life. And in that very moment when I did that, God's peace showed up. And, and, you know, peace is, is it's almost tangible because of how it changes your attitude, your outlook, and your whole demeanor. When the peace of God comes, there's a settling in your heart. Anxiety cannot stay because there's a sense of a, a secure a stability, like you just know, and it's going to be okay. I don't know how this is going to work out, but it will work out. There's a confident assurance in knowing it's going to be fine. Okay, that's how it is with God's peace. Now, number three, and I'll, I'll give this to you real quick. We could spend more time on that one, a, a whole lot more time with that one, but we don't have a whole lot more time on that one, okay? So number three, we are to follow after peace, and this kind of leads from the other one, in making decisions. Pursue peace, follow after peace. You know, some people look for counterfeit peace because they want to find peace because they want their own way. But when God ministers his peace, it's totally different. In 1 Corinthians 14, 33, it says, for God is not a God of confusion, but of peace. If you've made a decision and you're still confused about everything, that's not God's peace. Uh, God's, if it's God's peace, there'll, there'll not be confusion. There'll be a subtleness. There'll be an inward knowing. There'll be a confidence. Yes, this is the way we're to go in this decision. Because if you ever... And, and the hardest part with making decisions is until you make the decision. Because for me, I know when I make the decision, it's over. I'm not going to have a regret. I'm not going to go back and say, oh, I shouldn't have done that. I said, no, I'm making this decision. I'm going forward. I'm not turning back. I'm not going to try to recalculate everything once I make the decision. That's why when I make a decision, I want to make sure I know it's the right decision. I want to make sure I know it's the decision that God has for me and that he's leading me to make it. And we see another verse there in 1 Peter 3.11. It says, let them turn away from evil and do good. Let them seek peace and pursue it. We have to go after the peace of God. We have to follow after God's peace. And don't try to provide a counterfeit. So I got peace, Pastor, you know, in, in making a big decision and said, do you have peace? Do you really have the peace of God? Or is this something you want? You need to surrender your, your will. You need to lay it down before God. And if his peace then shows up, you can follow after that. And then number four, and we'll bring, 
with this, we'll bring the service to a close. Peace is a major component of the kingdom of God. In Romans 14, 17, it says, For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating or drinking, but of righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. So, really, if we break it down here, it's one-third of the kingdom. God's expression of his kingdom. His kingdom is the domain where he rules and reigns. And so he wants to bring his kingdom into our life. And one dimension of that is his peace. In Isaiah 26, 3, it says, You will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. See, it all boils down to a matter of trust. Are you really trusting God? Because if you put your trust in him, then you will have his perfect peace. And his perfect peace will begin to rule in your life, inviting his kingdom rule in your life. Now, as I stated in the beginning of this message, he wants to be your king. He longs to be your king if you receive him. Because it's not exclusive, it's personal. And he wants to engage with us in a personal way. Peace is directly related to the actions and attitudes of individuals. But ultimately, peace is a gift from God. Most people would define peace as peace of mind as the absence of mental anguish or anxiety. But it's more than that. It's an encounter with God. It's an encounter with Jesus Christ. What did Jesus leave us with he wants you to experience his peace. He left us with his peace. In fact, in John 14, 27, Jesus made this statement to his disciples. He said, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. What is Jesus offering us? He's offering us his peace. A peace that can't be generated from this world out here. You might think, well, if I just have more money, if I just have a better job, if I just have something change in my life, no, that's not gonna produce the kind of peace that Jesus can give. And maybe you're here this morning and you say, you know, I, I, I need to experience the peace that Jesus can give. And maybe you've never really surrendered your heart to Jesus Christ and your life to him. We want to give you that opportunity this morning to receive Jesus as your Prince of Peace, to come to him, acknowledging, Lord, I have no peace outside of you. I have no peace that will last or endure unless you encounter my life. And so we can approach Jesus on a basis of faith and, and receive peace. We can make our peace with God today. And how do we make our peace with God is simply coming to him and saying, Father, forgive me, I'm a sinner, and, and to repent and to turn from your sin and to turn to him and, and invite Jesus to be your very personal Lord and Savior, to come into your heart, to be the Lord of your life, knowing that he, in fact, will make a difference. But you have to give him that opportunity. See, the reign of his kingdom, when it comes to being your king, is by invitation. You need to invite him into your life. You need to submit and surrender and come before him as your king. Receiving him as the king of your heart, the king of your life. Hallelujah. With every head bowed, every eye closed, nobody looking around, if you're here today, and you say, Pastor, if I were to die today, I'm uncertain what would happen. I don't know that I'd go to heaven. I don't have that kind of assurance. I have questions. Maybe I would go, but um, I'm not sure. I'm not certain. If that's you this morning, I want to invite you to open your heart to receive Jesus. And when you do, he'll give you that assurance. He'll fill you with his peace. And your life, I promise, will change. It'll change for the better not for the worse. Now, that doesn't mean all your problems will go away, but he'll be there to walk you through all those problems. 
and he'll help you to overcome and bring meaning and significance to your life because your life is significant to him but you need him for him to make it complete to bring you to fulfillment so if you're here today and say pastor would you pray for me I, I don't know that my life is right with God but I'm ready and willing to receive him today just lift, slip your hand up if you would Invitation is open because in a moment we're going to have our prayer team up here. They're going to pray with you. And in fact, the prayer team can come up here right now and they'll be available to pray with you when we dismiss. The other invitation is for those of you that are struggling in areas and, and you say, you know, I, I'm lacking peace. Maybe you're making a decision. Maybe you've done things and, and, and you've lost that sense of God's peace in your life. And your life is in turmoil. Well, God wants you to have not only a revelation of his peace, but to experience it firsthand. And wherever that need is, to experience his peace. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you today for the peace of God that passes understanding. The peace of God that guards our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. Father, I pray for this entire body of believers this morning that you would give them a greater revelation of your peace and a greater understanding that you came to bring peace to this earth, peace to our individual lives, peace to our marriages, peace to our homes, peace to our cities, to our communities. Jesus, you are the Prince of Peace and we welcome your rule in our life. In Jesus' name, we give you praise. Dr. Colton's going to come up here and he has a, a, a couple words for you and we're going to dismiss you. But uh, the prayer team's going to be up here and as, uh, when he dismisses, please, uh, those needing prayer, come. And don't ever, don't ever be ashamed to come forward for prayer. Don't ever be ashamed to admit that you have a need. Because you're in an environment where we love you and our Celebrating the fact that you're here. So if you need prayer, don't stay back because that encounter, that moment can change your life forever. Amen. Thanks for listening to The Refuge Podcast. For more information about who we are and to listen to more inspirational messages for free, visit us online at wearerefuge.net.